Well, good morning. There are the lessons that people try to avoid when you sign up, like the lesson following the meal, and then those lessons you try to, uh, maybe the one right before the meal. But I don't know about you, but I can smell plenty of the things in the back. And I debated, do I want, to, you know, how long do you want to go? Do you want to go until the first time you see someone leave and come back with a piece of cake? Is that your sign to stop preaching then? But, but uh, that's really not, you know, what our time is, is, is going to be based upon. Our lesson this morning comes from the book of Hebrews in chapter 3 and verse 6. And looking at this title, Brother Chuck has has signed or made available. He, he came up with all these titles for us and thankful for that. And it just happened that Chris said to pick the longest one. Hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope, firm unto the end. Hold fast the confidence and, re, and the rejoicing of the hope, firm unto the end. This morning, I want to show what, we, what hope we are to hold with confidence and have a reason for rejoicing. You know, there are many things in life at times we put our hope in. We put our hope maybe in our jobs, hoping that they will last and be able to provide for our families. We put our hope in our friends that they will stay near and dear to us. There are certain things you do not put your hope in. One of those things being like sports teams. Uh, if you keep up with any basketball, I keep up with very little of it, just enough to know that the sports team that I grew up rooting for, so to speak, lost on Thursday as Arkansas. But, you know, we sometimes put our hope in things and we sometimes we put it in the wrong places. And we find in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6, we're looking at the, where we can place our hope and have confidence and have that rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. We think about this idea, we begin by looking at, we're going to just break down this phrase that comes from Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6. Looking first at this idea of hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of hope. Hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of hope. We begin first looking at those first few words, hold fast the confidence. Hold fast as seen last, uh, last night with my lesson, the first lesson, as other Paul pointed out as well means we hold on with all of our might. We hold on with all of our might. And depending on what, what, what Greek word is used for confidence, we find that there are different meanings of that word confidence that's used in the Bible. But we hold on with confidence, which here in Hebrews 3 verse 6 means boldness and plainly. We hold on with boldness and plainly. We hold on, we have that confidence that is bold that is plain, that is clear, that is unmistakable. You ever hear a salesman talk and it's unclear exactly what all the details are? You ever notice sometimes when you hear some of those, we hear any of those medical commercials on television about medicine, they tell you all the advantages and then they talk really fast about everything that could happen to you if you take it. You know, God, in that sense, never talks fast. He is clear and precise about what he provides for, to those who are loyal to him. It is, it is bold. It is plain. The Greek word here is, is a par, parousia, and it's used also in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14, where the Bible says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that we ask anything according to his will. He hears us. 
Now in context, he's talking about those who are followers of Christ who can have the assurance that confidence there in verse 14 that when they pray to God that they know he hears them. That confidence means it is an absolute guarantee. That those we have this confidence in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It is not a matter of question, it is a certainty. And so we find, as we go back to Hebrews 3 and verse 6, that same Greek word is used there with confidence in Hebrews 3 and verse 6. So we hold fast that which what? We have absolute certainty of. That confidence that we find there in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6. We have confidence because we have a strong conviction. We have the mindset and the realization that God keeps His word. It's interesting to think about all the promises that God makes throughout the Bible. We understand that the promises that God makes are conditional. They're based upon us doing what God requires of us in order for us to be able to enjoy those blessings that God will provide by us keeping our end of the deal, so to speak, right? We realize that as we look at the Bible, God has never defaulted on the promise. God has never gone back on His Word. But mankind, on the other hand, has done so repeatedly, haven't we? We look at Israel, we find that numerous promises are made to them at various stages. And at times, they default on their side of the deal, right? They were promised that God would provide for them, that God would be with them. And then when Moses goes up on the top of the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, the Bible says, records the words, and when they were speaking to, to Aaron, they put forth the idea that we don't know what happened to, to Moses. They were defaulting on their side of the deal. Do you remember what happened? They began to be punished by God. And God sent Moses down. He told him to get down for the, the people or what they're transgressing. And so God, unlike man, never is one who defaults on his word. He always keeps his word. Can you imagine going and having an employer who always keeps their word? They tell you in the beginning, this is what you can expect. This is what will provide for you so long as you're fulfilling your job requirements. You don't worry about it. We'll make all these things and all these benefits available to you. And they kept their word from day one to the end of day, you know, the year of 30, whatever it is you retire at. After 30 years, whatever. And they keep their word all the way to the end. We would do what? We tell everybody, go and work for that company, right? They honor everything they ever tell you. God honors everything he tells us. But just like anything in life, just like we find in the Bible, there always are conditions. To enjoy the blessings of God, we must meet those conditions. We look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. He says, For this reason I also suffered these things. Nevertheless, he says, I am not ashamed. He says, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. You think about those phrases for a moment. For I know whom I have believed. Who did, who did Paul put all his faith in? God. For I know whom I believed, 
have believed and am persuaded. If you are persuaded of something, it means you are what? You hold that belief. You hold that position. His position was that he is able to do what? To keep what I have committed to him. What had Paul committed to God? In all reality, everything. Because he committed his soul to God, therefore he committed everything to God. Because our eternal soul and where, it's going to, where our soul is going to spend eternity is the most important thing we can ever, that's ever going to happen to us. So when he tells us he is able to keep what I have committed to him, he says there, until that day. A reference to the judgment day. Because the judgment day is where we say sometimes where the rubber meets the road, right? Where we separate the true and the honest, loyal servants of God from everybody else. The faithful dwell with God and Christ in heaven for eternity following the judgment. The wicked do not. Hold fast the confidence. And he says here in the next phrase, with rejoicing. This rejoicing is because we have a reason to rejoice. The Greek word here, kafe uh, may, uh, reveals a meaning to be our reason for boasting. So why do, we, why do we rejoice? Because we have a reason to rejoice. We have a reason to be boasting. And we think we boast sometimes. We automatically think, well, okay, that's someone who's being arrogant. They're boasting. They're bragging. No, what he's talking about here is the Christian has an actual reason. They can have confidence and they can boast at what? They have hope, as we're going to talk about later, for something much more than we find in this life. Reason for boasting. This same Greek word is found in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 3. He says, Yeah, I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that, as I said, you may be ready. What were they boasting of? They were boasting of them and their faithfulness. Why? Because according to the Greek, they had a firm reason for that boasting. <coughs> we can hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing. We can boast and rejoice that we have confidence in God. We'll see next why this when we have this confidence. You know, I think about this today because there are some today who have a trouble understanding assurance and understanding the the assurance that the Christian has that when they remain faithful to God that they get to go to paradise and then one day to the heavenly home. Because we find here why? Because God keeps his promises and when we keep our promise to be faithful to God, that's what we make to God. When we obey the gospel and we're added to the body of Christ, we are making an agreement with God that we are going to be loyal to him to the day that we die. And we fail to do that. If we back out, we depart, we, we get the attitude that we feel like we've never done anything wrong, therefore we have no reason to repent. We start redefining sin and this goes on and on and on. Friends, you can forget all about heaven when we start doing those things. But we are humble servants of God that will correct ourselves when we find ourselves doing those things which are not right in the sight of God. We may not be perfect, but we can be blameless, as we've talked about there in the book of Job. And therefore, we can have that firm confidence. We can hold that confidence and have that rejoicing of what? Of the hope. Hold fast that hope. 
And I didn't just put the word hope up here, or of, of the hope, because that's the next phrase, but I hear hold fast the hope, because that's what we're trying to do. Hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope. We are to hold to, that is the expectation, the expectation of, a, of the reward waiting for us. If we have a hope in this context, in this wording, is that we have something that we are expecting that is waiting for us. Think about the words of Christ when he says he goes to prepare a place for us. That where I am, again Christ speaking, that where I am, there you may be also. And the way, and where I go, and the way I, where I go, you know, and the way, you know, the way I go, you know. Do they know how, do we know how to get to heaven? Yes, the Bible reveals that. What's interesting, you think about the words of Christ, it says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, that being heaven, there you may be also. Which tells us that Christ wants our eternal destination, our final dwelling place for all eternity to be with him, with the Father, in the heavenly home. He goes and prepare a place for us. Hold fast the hope. This same word is used in Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. And I have on the screen here verses 1 and 2. It says, I, Paul, excuse me, it says, Paul, rather, in the, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the, and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Who did he promise would have heaven as their home before time began? All the faithful. In hope of eternal life, which God, we think about that phrase, in hope, we have this hope waiting for us, which God has made for us, that promise he has made for us, he tells us in verse 2, who cannot lie and promised before time began. Since God cannot lie, since he has promised this is waiting for the faithful, then we can have the confidence, we can rejoice and boast that when we are remaining, so long as we're remaining faithful to God, that heaven is waiting to be our final dwelling place. And that should cause us to be joyous. It should cause us to be happy. It should cause us also to find a comfort in that. You think about the world around us today and the various things going on, not just those things as well, but our daily lives and things we have to deal with, the various things we try to accomplish on a daily basis, and sometimes we may feel like, you know, this world is getting old, so to speak. We're getting tired of having to deal with those around us, having to deal with the world around us, whatever it may be. We can find hope, we can find assurance in that knowing that this place which we dwell upon today will not be our final dwelling place. And aren't you glad? I'll be glad when we get to heaven, as the Bible tells us, we have no more aches and pains, we have no more sorrows, no more tears, but those are former things which the Bible tells us have passed away. That's where I want to be, and that's where I want you to be, and that's where God wants you to be. And that place is waiting for those who have faithfully followed God. Which brings us to our second main point here, looking at here, 
as I get getting him myself. Look at Hebrews 6, verse 11 first. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full, same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Hold fast the hope. And so the same word here is used again in Hebrews 6, 11. We have the full assurance of this hope. Full assurance. I don't think you'll find a company who will tell you and use the phrase full assurance about anything. I've never heard an insurance company say that. You'll never hear them say that. Full assurance of this hope. Full assurance means you have no reason to doubt. No reason to doubt. Let's look next at this last phrase. Hold fast unto the end. Hold fast unto the end. We think about in Hebrews 6, we find literally the word there in the New King James, firm unto the end. I think about this, how we must approach our faith with the idea that we did not come this far to only come this far. I've heard this applied in different areas of life. I've heard about, you know, athletes talking about how they worked and worked and how they say, no, I didn't do all this just to stop now, basically is the idea. Do not come this far in your faith to only come this far in your faith. It would be very sad if we ever ever at any point in our life having, having obeyed the gospel decide that we have gone far enough that i have done all that god requires of me in our mind and therefore i'm not doing anything else you know this idea that we can live as a hermit that we don't need anyone else we don't need anything i can stay at home i'm not just talking about those who's doing that because of covid i'm talking about those who just think they're just fine staying home because they have been a christian for so long that now apparently their stamp is just made and they don't serve god at all because friends that's what they're doing they're not serving god at all and we are to serve him to the end firm means enforce valid Again, also affirmed there, enforced and valid. The end is a, is a reference to the end of life. Looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The salvation of your souls. It is the, what? The end of our faith. The end result of faithfulness is the salvation of our souls. You know, we think about athletes, and we've all heard various illustrations. But can you imagine setting a task and you start working on a task? You maybe you have one, you have different goals in life you want to accomplish, and you have one that's going to be very difficult, it's one you have to work at year after year and put in all kinds of work all kinds of labor all kinds of training all kinds of effort and you get part way into it after years and years of work and you put your tools down and you walk away and say i've done enough that should work that should prove that i am an accomplished whatever it may be you know that doesn't mean anything does it because a Christian who, quote-unquote, stops practicing Christianity is not going to be pleasing the sight of God. We cannot, we never stop. We never get to that point where we say, I know all that I need to know. I've served long enough. 
but yet we have some today who act in that very same manner. You know, success is crossing the finish line. Every athlete, unless they get injured or something, will tell you that until you cross the finish line, until you hear that buzzer go off, until you hear whatever it may be that finishing that final bell, until you make it to that point, until you cross that line, then you are not going to be able to be rewarded anything, no matter what, how fast you may have been. When he steps onto a field of field of play, so to speak, can be the best there there are there is out there. But if they do something that causes them to be pulled off the field, to be to be ejected from a game, or they walk off the track before crossing the line, you realize they don't get anything. Players that are traded into towards the end of a season don't get anything from the previous team in ways of you know awarding really. I mean they get their pay, of course, but in all reality they lose a whole lot, don't they? The, the Christian only finds success in, when they cross the finish line. Psalm 119 and verse 33 says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. To the end. What is that a reference to? It doesn't say till the sun goes down. It doesn't say till I'm tired. It doesn't say until I don't feel well. He says to the end, which is by implication... <coughs> Until he no longer has breath in his lungs, he's going to follow God to the very end. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. Now, I really think about this. You look at verse 33 there of Psalm 119, that really when he is taught the, the statutes of the Lord, that the end result is going to be that he wants to keep them to the very end. Because shouldn't it be that as more we learn about God, the closer we grow, we grow to Him, and because we have grown closer to Him, because we have learned so much about Him, the last thing we want to do is walk away. Isn't it true that when you have near and dear friends to you, the idea of never seeing them again, never spending time with them ever again, is a sad idea? You know, for some, though, they treat God that way, and they have no problem walking away. That's not till the end. Till the end, it means until... Our, our heart stops beating, right? But yet, we have some who apparently think they have done enough. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10 tells us, Here, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Now he's talking to one of these churches here in Revelation, how they were doing persecution. He says, The devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you have a tribulation ten days. The idea we find there in verse 10, they're going to have time of persecution. It's not going to be forever. It's going to come to an end. And he ends here in verse 10 by saying, be faithful until death. Until death. That makes it plain what the end is, isn't it? And what happens? He says, and I will give you the crown of life. Does God, since we know he is one who keeps his promises, doesn't that tell us when we read verse 10, that so long as we're faithful unto death, that that crown of life is waiting for us? Absolutely, that's what it means. That's exactly what that means. Because God keeps his promises. He keeps his word. He's not one who goes back and forth, back and forth. No, he keeps his word. Man is the only one who ever departs from God. Man is the only one who's bold enough to walk away from God. Man is the only one who's bold enough to watch the Son of God heal the sick, raise the dead, feed thousands, and then still doubt. 
No, that's man who does those types of things. It is Christ, when he walked the earth, and we find on more than one occasion, he sees the great faith of people, and he recognizes it for exactly what it is, great faith. Men, us, we're not always that way. Some lessons for us to think about today. You know, God gives the best reasons for hope. He gives the best reasons for hope. You know, no doubt we have, you know, every year we have politicians making promises. I don't know about you, but I just don't pay attention to them, what their promises are anymore because they're all the same. None of them are really going to do what they tell you anyway. But God is not a politician. God is not like man. When God tells us something is going to take place, it's going to take place. When Noah built the ark, you think he had those mocking? Sure he did. Until the rain started coming, the door of the ark was shut. You know what? The rain never stopped. They began far too late to realize that Noah wasn't joking. Noah wasn't crazy for building a gigantic ark and putting animals and all those other things on the ark. No, we find that they realized that Noah, when he spoke of, his, of God making this promise of what's going to happen, he was totally completely honest. But when the rain descended, it was already too late, wasn't it? We cannot be like those individuals. We must make sure we keep our hope and our faith in God and keep it firm until the end. God provides true reasons to hope and for hope. Man tries at times to inspire one another to have hope of various things, but God's only source for true and lasting hope. God provides for man more than, than man himself can comprehend. These include God providing us reasons to have confidence in him. We think God doesn't give, give anything to us or bless us sometimes. Maybe we think because things are not going well health-wise or financially or whatever it may be, we think of that song, Count Your Blessings, right? You begin, if you're honest, you begin to feel pretty foolish, won't you? When you count your blessings that God has done for you, as the song says, maybe we'll stop complaining. We'll start looking back to God where we ought to be, where we ought to be looking in the first place. Unlike the world, God is always for us. Psalm 56 and verse 9 says here, When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. What do you think of that means? Does God want us to be faithful? Does God want us to have good days? Does He want us to have protection? Does He want us to, we might say, prosper? Yes. We look here in verse verse 9, He says, because God is for me. He also word that without then going against what the Bible is trying to tell us there, that God is with Him, right? Jeremiah 20 talks about that. He says, for the Lord is with me like a mighty awesome one. About Jeremiah 20 verse 11. And here we find the same idea in Psalm 56 and verse 9. He says, I will cry out to you, talking about praying to God. Then my enemies will turn back. That is, his enemies are going to leave. He says, he says this I, what's the next word? No. This I know. And he tells us why. Because God is for me. God is for the Christian. God is for all those who are putting him first. Friends, if we decide we're going to depart, we're going to stop listening to God and His Word, stop paying attention like Manasseh, who we read about last night, you're going to find yourself that God is not for you anymore. 
He's for your repentance. But until that takes place, he's not one who's quote-unquote on your team, is he? See, sin changes everything. Isaiah 59 and verse 2. We must remember that hope is useless if your endurance fails. If you give up, it doesn't matter how much hope you have, if you give up, hope is going to become useless. Heaven is there waiting for us. We have that hope. But if we give up and we stop following God for whatever reason we can conjure up that we think is good, and we give up on God, friends, all the hope in the world won't save you because hope requires a we fall a condition of obedience to God. Hold to the very end. Hebrews 3 and verse 14 says, For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. You notice that word if. That's a big little word, isn't it? If. There's your condition. If we hold, fat, hold the beginning of our confidence, that is, you hold fast to the Lord, just like you were holding fast to Him in the very beginning, right? <laughs> A new Christian, generally speaking, we say, we used to say sometimes, they were quote-unquote on fire for the Lord, they were on fire for God. What I mean by that is they had a great zeal. They wanted to learn all they could about God. But sometimes, because of the world, sometimes because of brethren, that fire begins to go out a little bit. That zeal begins to fade. He tells us here in verse, verse 14, Behold, the beginning of our confidence... That same type of eagerness to follow after God, that we want to do what is pleasing to Him, hold that, He says, steadfast to the end. <coughs> then we are what? We will continue to be partakers of Christ. Worship to the end. I think about this many times, especially as we grow older in life. You know, growing older can be difficult, but we should strive to show God that we are with Him to the end. Living a life of a hermit is not pleasing to God. Hebrews 11, verse 21 tells us, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of, his sons, uh, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. The Bible tells us when he was dying, this is a reference to his end of life, which means he was advanced in years. He was leaning on his staff, doing what? Worshipping God. He wasn't making excuses. This is not talking about someone who is bedridden and has a great... Some, some disease is keeping them from doing what they'd like to be doing. There's a stark difference between that and the person who just says, no, I've done what I need to do. You know, we have those around us today who have that very same attitude. Some bone up put that in print. You know, that's not entertaining. It's not true. It's sad. But rest assured, the one who's disappointed more than all is God. And the first person who knew that individual's condition was God. And the first person who will, who will minister righteous judgment upon those individuals will be God. And we think about Hebrews 11, verse 21. He says, leaning on the top of his staff, showing he was worshiping God to the very end. For as long as he could, he was physically doing all he could to worship God. That should be encouraging to us, shouldn't it? You know, I think about how many individuals we've seen over the years who've come through our doors with canes, with walkers, with wheelchairs, neck braces, all those types of things, doing all they can to be here with us. I think about those who are perfectly able-bodied who are not doing anything even close to that. They're not even here. Friends, rest assured the Lord takes notice. And on the day of judgment, 
the righteous judge will be just that. He will be righteous in his judgment. As we close this morning, we want to ask the question, are you striving to hold fast your faith to the very end? Are you striving to hold fast your faith to the very end? That is our goal, isn't it? To hold fast to God. To hold fast to what God has promised. Realizing what God requires of us and doing all we can to fulfill those conditions that God has laid out for us in His Word. As I've said before, the Bible is full of conditions. Everything in the Bible is conditional. Everything. Those spiritual blessings, Ephesians chapter 1, only those who are in Christ. Salvation, only those who have obeyed the gospel. Forgiveness of sins, only those who, who what? We're talking about the, the Christian, to those who go to God in prayer, confess and repent of those things, right? True and honest worship, you got to follow the pattern. How to teach others the gospel, you got to teach them God's word, not our opinions. And the list goes on and on and on, condition after condition. If we want to do things the right way, we do them God's way. God has been with you, think about this for a moment. God has been with you at the start of your life, and He will be there at the end. The question is, will you be there for Him? Think about that. God has been there with us, really the Bible tells us, while, he's even, while we're even in the womb, right? He is there with us from the beginning of our life. He'll be there with us when our life comes to an end. And the point is, of the question on the screen is, are we going to actually be there for him in the sense, are we going to actually be one who's been obedient to God so that end of our life, that we'll be there with him as well? And the psalmist bears out, the Lord looks down from heaven upon men to see if any understand, any who seek God. And of course, the vast majority do not. But God still looks, doesn't he? We think about these things this morning. We think about this idea, as we find in Hebrews 3 and verse 6, hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. I like how in verse 6 we have the word the before so much of that, right? The confidence, the rejoicing, the hope firm unto the end. <coughs> Talking about things which we should possess and goals in which we should aspire to that is remaining faithful to the very end now there are a lot of things in life which we can dedicate ourselves to we can dedicate ourselves to certain goals in life of various means no doubt we should be dedicated to our families to the degree which the bible tells us we should be but friends on the day of judgment we have not dedicated ourselves to god that'll be one aspect we will be greatly mistaken in isn't it so we're going to dedicate ourselves to something. Let's make sure that the first thing we dedicate ourselves to is to the Lord and to the keeping of His Word. This morning, as you think about these things, we can help you or encourage you in any way. You can come forward now. It's going to be standing and sing the song that's been selected.